Hello and welcome to the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast with me, Clive Barber, and my good mate, Noel Tom. For the days when you can't ride your bike, there's always the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. Welcome to Season 3 of the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. Don't ask me where Season 3 came from, just completely fucking random. We stopped doing it and went to Spain on our bikes and then we came back after we finished on a high with the king of adventure motorcycling Mr Vince we thought we'd uh, end on a high and come back with a new season and the first one back is pretty much just a chat and we're going to tell you what we did in Spain how we got there where we went where we stayed what we did how often Noel fell off and which of the KTMs broke down hashtag all of them so this week I'm joined by Greg Will and Adam, all of which you've heard before on this flipping podcast. Let's get on with it. When did we get back? Was it a week or so? Two weeks ago. Got back on my birthday on the twentieth. On the twentieth, that's a bit. Are, we, are, we, are you? Rec- are we recording now? Clark? Yeah, I've been recording for. All right. Oh, right, okay. 16 minutes now which will all be deleted probably because i don't think we said anything interesting but we always say that don't we that's everybody asks that question are we recording now and the answer is always yes so you, you we got back on your birthday well and your dad had done some made some beer especially for your birthday which pretty much none of us stayed for which i feel really bad about well it was so late it was always going to be a kind of it was ridiculously late and i think the odds on davy getting in the van and just driving until six in the morning were always pretty high. I never doubted him. Not for a second. Never. <laughs> it was always going to happen. Sadly, <laughs> none of us doubted him. But yeah, we got back. We got back to Greg's at 5.30 in the morning, driving through the night. That was harsh, wasn't it? Yeah. I just like anything. I don't know about you, Kai, but I just felt like oh, I can't just fall asleep and just let him drive. You've got to kind of stay awake to talk to him and share the pain a little bit. I thought that, but you were sat next to him, so I just nodded off. <laughs> i stayed away it was quite nice to just get home and uh i know it was a bit of a mission but it was good to be home well i think the journey in itself to get to spain was a bit of a mission wasn't it really we just talked earlier mentioned the ferries so it was pretty much a day to get to portsmouth for all of us and some of us took two days to get to portsmouth because we stopped halfway along and then on the way there it was two nights on the ferry and i think it was about 36 hours on the ferry on the way there which wasn't so bad because you're kind of just chilling and relaxing and you've got a motorbike trip to look well some of us were chilling and relaxing one of us wasn't that particularly relaxed was he will i was a bit stressed out actually (laughs) Tell us what happened. The last thing we did before getting on the ferry was to stop and get fuel. And I turned the key on the bike. None of the electrics came on. I had a front light and I had a brake light, but nothing else worked. But it did start and and, it was pretty stressful. And the whole time Adam is saying to me, oh, it's your state, mate. It's going to die any moment now. You're going to ruin the trip. Well, if you start at the bottom of it's only going to get better if it's like a worst case scenario. Just build your hopes up to that and then build on it. <laughs> so the issue was we had basically five minutes before the last call to get on the ferry. We just stopped to fill up with fuel so we didn't have to worry about it when we got to Santander. So basically you, you park your bike in the in the ferry and you pretty much have to leave it and go away. So you had to sit sit on it and stew for two two nights as to whether your bike was going to work. Yeah crucially you're just not allowed back down so it's not like i could have gone back all i did was download the manual and spend the whole trip trying to figure out what it was and none of that made any sense trying to find out which broken fuse you needed to replace which is all it turned out to be or just a fuse yeah Mm. Yeah, that was a relief so do you think it was it from something being wedged in that kind of cockpit area and you know what what caused the fuse to blow yeah probably probably that i had added a raid garage fairing tower thing where and it moves all the electrics which are kind of all bundled up very neatly inside the headlight mask into this tower so they've got more room to breathe but they've also got more room to kind of move about and touch each other which i think is probably what happened just a short we just put some electrical tape on some of the connections and and it was fine from then on in wasn't it yeah 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 didn't miss a beat so yeah we had two nights on the ferry we got to Santander. We rode off the ferry. We kind of waited for each other after passport control. Davey's not here to tell us, but then his bike wouldn't start. Remember that? 
yeah, he had a bit of an issue. It was, um, yeah, it couldn't have been overheating at that point. It was just a bit of a gremlin, wasn't it? Another electrical thing. But it was just a case of turn it off, turn it on again. It was fine. And eventually it started. And again, he had no further issues for the rest of the trip, but it was just a bit uh, mental. It, was, it happened a few times on the trip, but it didn't keep him going. It didn't stop him. Fortunately, the story of this trip wasn't whose bike was going to break first. It was a short story again. But it did turn out to be who's going to fall off first. <laughs> Will it be the man who always falls off, Captain Chaos, or the man who never falls off? He's not here to defend himself. Distinct lack of ditches for your taste. It's funny, though, because if you're racing, you ride at 100%, right? You go as fast as you can all the time. Based on that, when I was trail riding in Spain, I was probably riding at 20 or 30% because you really don't want to fall off and injure yourself in the middle of nowhere in a foreign country because it would, A, spoil your holiday like it did that time in Morocco and B, possibly turn out to be very expensive. Yeah, and spoil everyone else's holiday as well, I suppose. Well, it would, wouldn't it? Because you'd all have to rally around and, I don't know, call a helicopter or whatever you need to do. Oh, actually, yeah, that would have been good. I could have used my Garmin. It would have been nice. I, I wouldn't use, I would be so paranoid by using my Garmin like abroad. I would use it in the UK because you know, like, you're not going to get a bill. But if you use it abroad, you're going to have to have some robust travel insurance. I well, the, the other thing is, if you use it abroad, but you use it on behalf of somebody, hel- somebody else who isn't covered on the insurance, does it still count? Yeah. You didn't think of yeah. that, did you, before you called a helicopter? <laughs> Day one, we basically, we didn't jump straight on the tech, did we? We kind of took a bit of a long cut, if you like, and missed a bit out and then ended up on some really wet, clay, horrible fucking hills, which you all seem to enjoy. It was loads of fun. I was like, this is way better than I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to be on some boring, wide gravel tracks for like a week. And this was like proper little kind of nagery single track it was great yeah and then it's gravel tracks for the for the rest of the time but basically noel had said to me oh yeah just leave your standard tires on these horrible ircs that are rubbish because they'll be great on the road and they'll be great on the gravel and they were absolutely dog shit on well everything's dog shit on wet clay isn't it but most of you seem to manage far better than i did and i had quite a bad day thinking i'm just gonna fucking drive back and get on the ferry and go home I was worried about you on that day, Clive. Well, that's the thing. I'm so unfit as well. <laughs> but we'd all like, we'd all help. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone would help you get through. But yeah, I could see with those tyres, it was like that just didn't look like much fun. Yeah, but Noel managed on the same tyres, didn't he? But I think he's a bit fresher than mine. Well, we were on comms as well. So I would go through and tell him which line to take. Uh, he was cheating, was he? I was trailblazing. Yeah. And also, that's the thing. When you see him ride, he looks very calm and graceful. He really does. But when you're on comms, all you can hear is, oh, oh, geez, oh, oh. <laughs> that's, that's like finding out your favourite 70s DJ is a paedophile. Yeah exactly, yeah, exactly the same. There's probably worse ways to find out. <laughs> Our first night was in a, quite a nice posh. It's not. It wasn't really a bed and breakfast, was it? It was like a... Self-catering. Casa Nihau. Yeah, self-catering hotel, which was... A pilgrimage hotel. With lots of rules. Well, there was <laughs> one rule, which was don't get anything dirty. It's all very shiny and new, wasn't it? We all ended up taking all our dirty clothes off in the garage. But then the nice man did get a jet wash out the following morning to uh, clean the bike, so that was good. So I have no idea what happened after that, really. I can't remember. After Casa Nihau, we went on to our first proper trail, didn't we? Let me open my because I basically I made like a little diary on my phone of everything and took lots of pictures and took a fair amount of video and my phone basically died so I've lost everything so I can't remember a damn thing we haven't talked about the angry farmer it wasn't even just an angry farmer it was pretty much the very first trail of the very first day wasn't it yeah it really like disappointingly set the tone of the trip it's like oh my god is it gonna be like this all the way yeah, it was a nightmare. I had a broken down bike. I got lost. A farmer had just shouted at me and got completely separated from the group. Yeah, it was a complete fucker up of a start. So to, just to put this in context, we'd basically started following a trail and the trail, as they sometimes do, went through a field that had been planted. That said, there was 
clearly defined tire tracks across said field but we've got and we even adam said on comms this doesn't look right or this doesn't feel right and none of us were particularly happy about doing it but we did it anyway because there was obviously a trail there we got to the other end i don't think he was a farmer because he was very very smart and none of us have particularly good spanish but he obviously wasn't very happy with us as to what we'd just done i think will you translated some of what he said as it was just we were being disrespectful and uh get off my land there was Spanish for get off my land. But yeah, I mean, he had a point. None of us felt good about doing it, really. And and in hindsight, we probably should have taken a bit of a detour around there. But uh, it was the very first day. It was a very short stretch. And as I said, it was planted, but it was very sparse. And there was a clear track across there. Afterwards, we looked at the Google Earth, which was taken. The photo was not in kind of the crops weren't there when it was taken. And it would, there was an obvious route. It had been sown over. But I also think that he, I suspect, that even if we'd gone round the long way, I think he would have still had something to say. You know, he's on the phone and stood in the middle of the track. He wasn't like getting out of the way. We were going to have to go around him either way. I'm fairly certain we didn't do anything wrong. And I think certainly because we, did, we couldn't speak Spanish, the best thing to do was just to carry well, on. Well, the thing, the thing is... <laughs> no. the thing the thing is for, is that it, very early on in the in the trip it highlighted how much trust you're putting in this route that you've downloaded and that whoever has put that route together has done it le- legit and especially if you can't speak the language if i translate that to like riding up here in northumberland and if i was spanish and i'd come up here some of the trails go through people's gardens virtually and you're like this it really doesn't feel like it should be here, but I'm confident that it's right. And that who, so it, so yeah, so it just like whoever is managing the Trans Euro Trail needs to be kind of mindful of the fact that if there are, okay, what am I trying to say? If there's anything contentious, avoid it. Yeah, because if I was a Spanish speaker and I'd gone in, a, in that situation and I was a local, I would probably say, no, 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 I, I appreciate that you're upset, but I am allowed to be here. The rules of the of the land say I can. Here's a map, and get into a conversation about it. And you know, oh, I respect your position, but I'm confident that I'm allowed to be here. Talk yourself out of a situation. But when you don't have any means to communicate, it's a very, very kind of tricky, tricky and vulnerable position to be in. And what did you say to him? Dos cervezas, por favor, which really didn't help. So Adam stayed with me, thankfully, and I got off the bike. So everyone else, Noel was first and he just kind of rode, rode off. I got off the bike, took my helmet off and did what I would do back here in the UK with an angry farmer. And, <laughs> and try and kissed his ring. Just try and, be, <laughs> you know, try, try and not be the person that he is expecting you to be and actually demonstrate that you, you, you've, you know, you're a respectful person. But very quickly realized that I didn't have the tools to communicate with him. I, I couldn't even remember how to say sorry. I, I could remember how to say it in French, but <laughs> it really, there was no help to me. And, I, and, I just sort of rode past him going, si, si, lo siento, lo siento. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then he opened his gate and he was like motioning for me to come in. And then he was like saying like esta noche, which is like this evening. And so I was assuming he was trying to say something like, come in here, wait here until the farmer comes back tonight. I think Esther Nacho translate directly to d- date night. I think he, you'd completely talked him down. Turns out we found Spain's loneliest farmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, it did kind of put tarnish at the first day slightly, didn't it, really? But that said, we didn't have any bother for the rest of the five, six days that we were riding for, did we, really? But let's talk a little bit in general about the trails. What What do we think of the the trails that we rode because basically we got off at Santander we pretty much traveled inland a bit and we turned left and we more or less followed the tech with a few kind of shortcuts Let, let's talk about the trails because I thought they were fairly magnificent yeah I was just I couldn't believe how buried there was I'd done no research because I wanted the whole thing to be a surprise so I didn't know what was coming and it, it was like you know day one clay uphill through rivers single track awful amazing and then it, it, it sort of feels like you're in Wales a bit and then it's in a desert and then you feel like you're in Utah or somewhere. It was so varied, so fun. Loved it. 
Yeah, that was that's what I kept thinking. I kept thinking exactly that. This is like this is Utah. This is Arizona. This is Colorado, because it really did change, didn't it? You'd like move from one valley to the next, and you'd be in a, a different part of the world. Some amazing variation. So Noel basically Noel's done it quite a bit before, and he basically said it's all kind of big open gravel tracks that you could get a you know a medium bike down with no bother. But actually, I was quite surprised by the the variety of the trails that were there. And I think a real highlight for me was the I've written this down the the Bardenas Desert, which I didn't expect at all. You are almost it's like riding through Moroccan piste, and you've got all these sort of little sandstone mesas that are, are weathering away. And we were moving quite quickly on some of those days because the the pieces are quite wide. You had very good visibility, so we were all kind of. Well, for us, it's quite quick. We're probably doing about 60, but I remember thinking, bloody hell, that, you know, the, the tail's squ- squirrelling around at the back quite a bit. <laughs> I hope we don't hit any any deep gravel. Yeah, yeah my top fun. speed was 65. It, it, was, it was loads of fun, that. Like everyone said, the variety, I, it, the whole thing was a lot, a lot greener than I thought it was going to be coming out of winter in springtime in northern Spain. I've only been to Spain where it's been hot, dry and dusty. So the amount of crop and green space was really interesting. Apart from that first day, I think a lot of what we did in dry conditions, you could do on a T700 or something like that without much bother. You'd be totally fine. I think it wouldn't take much for the rain to come and make life a bit more difficult on a bigger bike. It was an awful lot of clay soils, which obviously when wet are slippy as fuck. But for most most of the time, I think... It was, yeah, big wide, compared to riding in the UK, at least. You're on kind of big, wide, established kind of tracks, were you? So the day riding through the desert was followed by a bit of a highlight in the evening as well, when we stayed with, with, with Maria, who became our very good friend. That whole thing was in there because none of us had stopped up for the previous place. And he said, no way, there's no rooms. You can sort of brothel? go that way. Yeah, at the brothel, livid. But he... Um, sort of gave us directions to something. I didn't really know what he said, but I managed to pick out the directions and we got there. And then, Greg, you went off to find it, didn't you? And I thought, all of us were waiting, thinking he's going to fail. What's the point? It's just a pub. I was just like, I was just like, what the fuck is he doing? Just get back on your bike. Let's go and find a fucking hotel or a campsite. Stop dicking about. You can't even speak fucking Spanish, even though your name's Villa Lobos, for fuck's sake. I was really happy with that, man. Like, because that when I've been to South America um, cycling with Georgia, that's what we did all the time. And it just that whole little village just felt like being in South America. And it was like, if they're if you're that remote and you have a bar or a restaurant you 100% have somewhere to stay. And I was just, it was the only, there was a giant boat, you're in a desert and there's a giant boat outside it, which is obviously, you know, as a landmark to come and stop here. And there was a few people having a, a drink outside and it was like, no way, no way. There's no way that this is not somewhere to stay. Well, that's bizarre because I was just thinking, looking at it, it looked like some shitty village hall with the local idiots getting pissed with cans they'd bought from home outside it. But even I, yeah, I that's what it was. I was just <laughs> trying to say, look, can we put our tents up out back? You know, that's what yeah. I originally went in to try and do, and we ended up with much better than that. It was, and it yeah, was so of... you've been over there long enough. I thought, right, I'll go over and see if my GCSE Spanish can do anything. And it, it was because we was chatting to the woman who was serving at the bar. She was like, well, maybe you can, but you have to wait for my boss. And she's asleep and there's no way I'm waking her up. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually she does come out and you're like, can we put up our tents? Can we put up our tents? And she's like, yeah, you can, but we've got rooms. And you're like, great, great. Oh, we'll, we'll set up here. And I'm like, Greg, she's telling us she's got rooms. We can all stay in the showers. <laughs> And we put our bikes around the back and... Yeah, locked, she locked them up. No, it was fantastic. And it was probably the highlight of the trip for me. And the food was quite funny as well, because it was basically like like in a lot of places in Europe, you basically buy a menu. So you have food and you just get given whatever they're doing that evening. But the other thing was, it was 45 euros for dinner, for all the beers we drank and for breakfast and for accommodation. It's 45 euros each. Well, we had a few bottles of wine. Yeah, it was a bargain. So this place, which you should all go to if you're in that part of the world, is called Dushaches, which I have no idea how to pronounce it. D-O-S-H-A-C-H-E-S. And it's in a place called Figaro. 
F-I-G-A-R-O-L. Uh, and it's just kind of as you exit the Bardenas Desert. And it was awesome. We had a great night there. Yeah. I thought the hilarious part was I thought I translated really well saying, yeah, guys, the food's coming. Here's what we're getting. And we all ate our fill of that delicious food. And then she brought out the main course. <laughs> and we were all kind of, oh, I'm so full. So in Spain, wherever you go, you always get salad. Loads of lettuce and whatever else they've got with olives and all sorts of nice things. And then there was a huge bowl of pasta and bread. And we're just thinking, yeah, this is it. Great. (laughs) And then the main course arrived. There was about, considering there's only six of us eating, I think there was about 16 pork steaks and like a a mountain of chips. And we all had to politely (laughs) eat of it, even though we were all full, eat as much as we could. And have an ice cream after as well, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. She asked us, what, what time do you guys want breakfast? Like, I don't know, seven o'clock? No. <laughs> Eight o'clock? I mean, I'm going to be asleep. Yeah, she did. We said seven o'clock and she just laughed at us and said no. <laughs> so then the day after there, it's, that's when it started getting hot and we kind of headed out and we had uh, stopped at a town square for lunch. And then that the, later on in that afternoon was the uh, the Noel falling incident. What, I don't know, what happened? We went for lunch in Luna, didn't we? The one with the big, Luna, the one yeah, with the, with with the, big the buzzards street. and the cool church. There were storks on top of the church. Yeah, storks, that's it. Oh, yeah, I've got a video of them there. Yeah, they were amazing. It's like pterodactyls swooping around. But sorry, what happened to Noel? <laughs> when Christ <laughs> fell... For the first time. <laughs> Sorry, you cut out. Can you just say that again? <laughs> well, I think Adam can describe it. But Adam was there. He saw what happened. What do you mean? I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think from the slow-mo analysis of the footage, he tried to go in between two puddles on like a center rut and his back wheel fell into it and just sent it around sort of thing. It was... I was trying to figure it out. Like It looked like he just got on the gas and it had stepped out, but... It was hard to understand how because he he was out of the puddle by when he fell. Yeah, it was pretty long slide though, wasn't it? Like, but typical Noel. It was so beautiful and graceful. I can imagine it. It may or may not make the film. I don't know what you think, Greg. <laughs> oh, but it got worse though, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so we got it on camera of like Noel like falling down, which was like. That was like, oh fucking hell, that's incredible enough. And and while the camera's loading and he's nonchalantly like leaning against his bike, like, yeah, da, 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 da. <laughs> picked it up kind of, oh, this is so great. I mean, I've fallen, but there's just no damage. This is amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. But let, let me, so while he was picking his bike up and checking it over, you lot were basically just fucking filming him or reviewing the footage to make sure you'd captured him falling off. And I'm thinking bastards get out the fucking way so i can actually help him pick his bike up and you know move it out the trail so we can all get past and as i did that (laughs) so i've got uh, were they prototype magadans that you uh you you lent no they're they're the the final ones okay so i've got the magadans on which are a slightly bigger pannier than than the ones i'm used to can i use that as an excuse (laughs) No, I, I'd rather you just used your own ineptitude as the excuse <laughs> rather than blaming adventure Magadan <laughs> Your lack of spatial awareness probably had something to do with it. So whilst I retained the mantle of Captain Chaos, I actually um, managed to ride past Noel and knock his bike out of his hands and onto the floor again, which he wasn't very best pleased about, was he really? He awkwardly wedged the cockpit between two trees though as well. And knocked his windscreen off, but that's always fallen <laughs> off. That wasn't my fault. It was funny. It just had like, it was all of a sudden he had someone to actually kind of vent his anger at rather than himself yeah so yeah, yeah. well it's like he'd left his, his shirt his riding shirt in that hotel the night before <laughs> yeah. and blamed me for not check doing a final swoop of the room yeah definitely yeah so he's in touch with her again can we just end the podcast there that's that was my favorite bit it's just this funny photo of like basically Noel's like trying to fix his bike and like everyone else is crowded around Adam's phone watching the footage <laughs> laughing behind him and it's like you know the, the corpse wasn't even cold <laughs> and everyone's already replaying it <laughs> and enjoying I've got so what I've got to do I've got to go through the podcast recordings from the last three years and find him saying as many times as I can, I never fall off. I don't I wear body armor. Nineteen seventy-two or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So there's probably loads of things like that that you can 
put into the film whilst you have the slow motion of him falling to the ground. So that that trail I felt was it was like I've never ridden trail ridden. Well, I've never been to Australia, but I imagined riding on Australia was would be like riding that section. It felt almost tropical, didn't it? Well, it felt Australian. I don't know if Australia is tropical. It did feel, I think it felt like in the forest, when you get the little woods on the mountainsides and stuff, especially descending through it. I I think it did, the twin track stuff, yeah. From the stuff I've seen on YouTube, whatever. It was quite hot and the the ground was like, it, it was... It was dry, but it had been wet. So you never quite knew what those puddles were going to actually have like in them or how deep they were going to be. So I, I, I was definitely being quite cautious going through them. But, but we'd been riding quite fast and quite for quite a long time. When I say fast, you know, we'd been moving. For us. Um, and and I, was, I don't know about anyone else. It was hot and I was getting quite tired. I was definitely, you know, when, when uh, Noel fell off, I was like, Oh, well, that's a shame, but at least they get to have a break because I needed oh, a break. For that it, that was, was a good blast. The worst place on earth to place to stop. It was so hot, so wet, and there were all those little flies getting in your ears and your eyes, up your nose. I think it was the best prior to the crash. That was the best riding of the trip, though. That it was good. It was good. I just I'm I'm really mindful of because everyone's getting quite carried away you got i was really mindful of someone going around a corner and finding other people coming the other way you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah. did happen later on in the trip but yes, I, I, ironic, multiple you, days. ironic you warned me for it and i wasn't even involved in the <laughs> in the other one well should we talk about that incident now greg you were first on the scene what the fuck did you do that for listen right I've been taught by many professionals that when you're on the bike, whatever's happening behind you is not your responsibility. It's what's in front of you that's important. If anyone crashes into the back of me, it's because they've been too close to me. And you, crash for cash you, you, is what you need to be able to stop. You know, I came around a corner and there, there were, uh, I think there were three guys coming as well. They were the first people we'd met all, all, all trip on the trail. And they were coming the other way, and I slowed down enough. The first two had gone past me by the time I'd stopped, and it's and I came to a stop next to the third person. You violently and, lunged off your bike, in. <laughs> and as I stopped, there was just I just heard in my earpiece just like, "Oh, Greg!" No. And then I turned around, and like Clive was on the floor, and people were like hanging off bikes, and it was like, and and then I looked at this other guy that had just stopped. And I was just like, yeah, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> <laughs> and he just slowly rode around the potent- potentially lifeless body of Clive on the floor and just kept going. Which is <laughs> what you call like, a dick move. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe he didn't even like stop to help. So basically, you, you, came, you stopped. The rest of us kind of followed around a corner. You were next, weren't you, Will? You managed to stop without smacking into the back of Greg. Yeah. And it's just like a motorway pileup after that. <laughs> I think Noel, yeah. I didn't know, but Noel hit you, and then I hit Noel. And I was like, oh, my God, this is this is, oh, this is is oh, so embarrassing. And I got up and said, mate, I'm really sorry about that. Whatever damage it's done, I'll pay for it. And he went, no, it's all right. I just crashed into Will. It, basically, I think that thing, if you're behind somebody and everybody else manages to stop, then you should be able to stop as well. I was definitely distracted waving to the uh our new tech friends that didn't even bother to stop it's like oh sh- one of those oh shit moments it's quite hard to stop when you don't have your hand on your handlebars isn't it <laughs> it is yeah yeah well that's the clutch isn't it i had my hand up davy said apparently that my back wheel just came right up in the air and i didn't i don't remember that but it was round a switch back around a really steep hill and we'd sort of obviously where we're stopping you're shortening the distance by one bike length and a bit every time so just unfortunate just one of those things and the only thing that was damaged was a bit of plastic good laugh about it now right Greg was no, very, very green didn't he? I, my focus was taken on the fact that I'd slightly had a little poo because <laughs> 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 of my really dodgy tummy from drinking tap water in my bladder rather than uh, and rather than bottled water and I was like really uh, feeling the effects of that 
<laughs> is that, is that why you just disappeared then? We thought you were so ashamed of your emergency. No, stop. I was like, I've got some, I've got something I need to deal with. Quite a good moment to <laughs> yeah. just disappear. Slightly had a little poo. <laughs> That's the thing. He came back to me and thought, I'm just going to check if I'm all right. He went, Will, I need your wet wipes. I'll be back in five. <laughs> Prior to having two small children, I wouldn't have even owned up to this. But nowadays, just poo's poo, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Whatever i've got a couple of other things that i've noted as as highlights the the roman ruins that we went past there was a whole kind of settlement wasn't it of remains that were still there and we've got some nice drone footage flying between uh the aqueduct towers onto the trail that was pretty impressive yeah i looked that up afterwards so that was an etruscan site and then roman site and the and the um engineering was so fine like between each of those pillars is one maybe two millimeter drop so it, and um the locals were so impressed by the roman engineering so they were convinced that the devil had done it and there's loads of stories about romans tricking the devil into making these aqueducts it's amazing bizarre i didn't know the devil was such a good engineer but that's the point yes the engineers had sold their soul to the devil to do it oh, okay. and tricked him right. last minute by saying when the job is done you are i own your soul and then they never finished the job. You're going to have to talk about your wild camp that you did, and I didn't. Every fucking day, oh, let's find somewhere, spend the next three hours looking for somewhere to wild camp. But you found a good spot. Yeah. And it was basically yeah, yeah. the best camping spot ever. It was lovely. It was It was, it was pretty special. We've missed out. It's, I mean, I guess it's... Oh, have you got... Yeah, go, we'll go back. We'll, we'll come back to that then. Well, it depends, it depends, man. Like, there's like... There's loads... You can't. This will be like three hour chat if you go through everything, mate. So, well, we're up to about forty five minutes, so we've still got another. We've got plenty of time. We stayed at that campsite with the big underneath the big rock, where there's lots of rock climbers and stuff. And then we went up to this like touristy like monastery or viewpoint, and we did some drone stuff. And then from there, there was that amazing road that like carved through the rock. Mm. Like the oh, so we went for a swim. Canyon. Yeah, so we're getting to that. But then after that, we went. We went and found. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures, and it looks like in the in the photos. If once you look beyond Will in his underwear, the the, the actual rock pool looks like it looks so amazing. It looks fake. It looks like a scene out of like a Disneyland kind of tourist attraction with a little Hobbit Adam. Yeah. But it was amazing, wasn't it? It was so cold. So cold. Yeah. If anyway, if that photo gets out, you should explain how cold that water was, just to, you know, explain yeah. away. Pretty much we spent at least half a day and it was all on tarmac, wasn't it? And we were still on the tet, but it was absolutely glorious. I loved it, yeah. Some of the most amazing road riding I've ever done. It was absolutely it was brilliant every now and then in the middle there's really loose gravel as well wasn't there occasionally my bike would just sort of go sideways for a couple of meters and then pick up again sketchy we ended up in a campsite i think was that the start of my clutch problems are we going to mention those yes we fucking are after you picked on me last time (laughs) i was riding along and my clutch started fading as in the lever started to moved towards the handlebars and started feeling quite spongy and not returning back to its full distance. I think that was the start of it, wasn't it? Like on that day? Because I'm sure when we... Well, you had it for about three days, didn't you, on and off? When we pulled into that campsite, it was like, something feels a little bit... It was like the biting point had just moved closer to uh, to to the handlebars, which didn't feel quite right. But it wasn't a problem at that stage but it, i was just mindful that it was there yeah did you actually get have you got to the bottom of what what went wrong i think so put too much oil in it 400 how was it 400 milliliters worth no 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 so there's a few, i think there's been a few different things going on at the time i didn't really know what was go, what was wrong with it and eventually we did check the fluid the dot four brake fluid in the hydraulic clutch in the master reservoir and it was black um, and I had put some fresh stuff in before. So it was like, that's odd that it's black. And we're kind of thinking, oh, maybe we've cooked it. So maybe the bike is overheating because I hadn't, not- I hadn't noticed the, um, the fan coming on much. I was like, maybe 
So when I do my oil changes, I put 1.5 liters in. I don't really do it by the sight glass. I do it by measuring jug, which is probably you know 1.5 liters going into like an empty engine. And so, Adam, you were you were thinking that I'd overfilled it, which is causing it to run hot. I'm not. Uh, it might have been that. I'm not sure because there was no sign of the coolant leaking or kind of boiling out of the top. I don't know. Maybe it was that. Maybe it wasn't. So in so I did. I've done an oil change and then. What I did do was I so I tried to back bleed. Uh, this is back home. I tried to back bleed the whole system, and <laughs> and it, it just and it just wouldn't it wouldn't do it. It was uh, so you put the syringe on and you kind of go to push push it down and the whole thing just explodes and I just couldn't get anything coming back up. So I took the master res the, the I took the whole thing off the hose at the top pushed up and there's loads of black gunk came out basically so i cleared that cleaned that out put an airline on cleaned all that out and then i disassembled i bought a, um, a service kit and i disassembled the piston in the uh in the clutch master reservoir and in while i was disassembling it it was all gunky and dirty and some of the rubber had perished but there's a spring inside there so the piston goes into a spring which backs up into the into inside it and the spring had snapped in half so i had had to kind of get a screw in to kind of grip the spring and pull it out and it came out in two parts and so that was broken so that was not even without any pressure am i right adam so because when i when i rebuilt it and didn't put any fluid in the spring would still the, yeah. the the lever would still go back yeah, to yeah, yeah. top position so that was not <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's got a small one <laughs> so that was it was so i think that that spring's probably been broken for quite a while and the other thing i noticed was that the the lever was slightly bent and it was bent in a way that it was reducing it was come it was coming to the um to the bars sooner than the standard lever. So I think there's a few different things going on. Do you think any prior preparation could have prevented the piss poor performance? Yeah, yeah. I fully acknowledge that. I fully acknowledge that. Do you think leaning it up against the 310 caused it? I think putting it up against the 310, what I suspect has happened is it's it's because it was leaning overnight at a funny angle because I was because it wasn't on its side stand. I think that there's air has got in the system somewhere or has moved it up in the system and that was partly to blame I so think. you have you have to prop up your expensive enduro bike on a little single cylinder bmw <laughs> <laughs> i was very very grateful for the support that that little three turn gave me at the time not so much <laughs> afterwards but yeah but you have you, have you covered why you had to lean it up against the three turn Oh, what? Because the fucking side stand bolt snapped off, didn't it? Like on day two or something. So I had the whole trip without a side stand. And I love taking photos of a bike, like leaning up against something. But when it's your bike and you can't like go and get fuel and go and pay for it because you can't, you know, stand the bike up, it's complete and not a pain in the ass. So that's my, that's my cat. So, Adam, did you have any problems with your BMW? Absolutely none. No, I'm just thinking of whether me and Noel had any with our Hondas. None at all, no. So, it was the. So, what was your bike again, Will? I can't remember. It's a, a, a breed of orange. I'm just having to do it because Noel's not here to do it. Yes, 690. So, it was your KTM, Greg's KTM, Davey's KTM. It didn't prevent performance, though. It started and I could indicate and whatnot. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't know what gear I was in. How fast I was going. No, again, we all got there in the end, didn't we? And even your clutch, your clutch. We we got up really early for that last dash to the ferry on the last morning, Greg, and we gave ourselves loads of time to get there. But once it had warmed up, it started working again, didn't it? Bizarrely. When we say we gave ourselves loads of time, we arrived there with minutes to spare. Yeah, if we'd like not had that problem and had decided to just be quite leisurely. I think we would have been like, uh, by the end of it, especially with all that weather, which was bollocks. 
So we did pretty much ride at like 65, 70 miles an hour for all the way there in the rain just to get there. And we got there maybe with half an hour to spare. Yeah, so. I was so cold until we stopped for that coffee. And then I put everything I had on. And then I was li- I was loving it. Hot coffee, a few more layers. That was really interesting because we were all really cold. Even my hands were cold with winter gloves and bar muffs on because it was properly cold and raining five degrees my thing red we just stopped for 10 minutes and just got a coffee in a in a garage shit coffee shit garage just kind of walked around for a bit stretched got back on our bikes and we felt i felt all right after that it was quite a good lesson really to because we'd been going probably for about two or three hours without stopping and i think that stop just kind of allowed you to warm up and and get going again say shit coffee that was the best coffee of my life ever (laughs) it did feel like it at the time didn't it we didn't discuss the harley gentleman Oh, yeah. So I, I posted something about this on the, the TAMP Facebook page. So we we stopped randomly at a town after, you know, riding for a while. Found a restaurant, we just kind of looked around a village and found somewhere, went in, and it soon became apparent that we were in the wrong restaurant. It was looked quite expensive, and people were dressed up quite smartly, and we were there covered in mud and not washed for a week, effectively. I don't think they would have minded, yeah. But it was the fact that we'd also had a massive breakfast. So we just basically wanted a couple of olives and a Coke. Well, I think that's quite interesting, yeah, because we were just going to rock in and maybe have a plate of chips between us type thing. And we got there and it was this big, proper kind of Argentinian-style meat restaurant, wasn't it? They had massive joints of steak in the fridge and things like that. So in the end, between, was there five of us or six of us at that point? I think it was five because Noel had gone off at this point to because he was he came back separately rode through france so between five of us we just ordered three starters which were really nice the food was lovely but it was still quite expensive and i asked for the bill a couple of times and it just wasn't coming and in the end i got up lost patience and went to the counter and said can we pay our bill and he went no you're right your your friends already paid it and he gave me the receipt and i went well which friend and the only person that had gone out ahead of me was adam and there was no way adam had paid for it (laughs) Maybe Adam has, and he's just not told us. It seems unlikely. Adam, did you pay the bill? No, did I fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So the conclusion we came to, we'd got chatting to these two French guys from Normandy who were on full-dress Harleys that were there before us, and we stopped and chatted to them. And I'm just kind of thinking they looked at us, covered in mud on our stupid little dirt bikes and not being able to afford any food. And I just think they took pity on us and paid our bill for us they were still there because we've been hanging around for a while where they kind of just waited long enough to wave at us give us a little honk that's adding a level of cynicism that i don't want to add i'm i just want to be very grateful for the nice gentleman no but they didn't stop to say oh we paid your bill it was just kind of a, a honk and a wave it was classy yeah it was very classy and we all said we waived our gratitude i think you shouldn't buy into it they're doing it for themselves and we've bought into it and <laughs> we're, we're feeding them isn't that true of any charitable <laughs> they, but they were on matching street glides which you know 30 grand a piece one of the guys had immaculate white teeth that Definitely nobody has from birth. And about a two-inch <laughs> heel on his boot. Oh, you've made this beautiful thing into something ugly now. So anyway, gentlemen, if you're listening, mercy book-ups. Very much appreciated. I said, like, the value of everything out there was kind of astonishing. Like, every, every time we stopped, apart from that weird restaurant, it was just so inexpensive and so good every time. Which was quite surprising, wasn't it? Because I was thinking everything was going to be seemingly more expensive. But I guess because we're kind of out of the touristy areas. But yeah, you're right. Nothing did seem particularly expensive. And the food everywhere we went was great, wasn't it? Fresh, local ingredients, simply cooked. Yeah, it's very good. I think my bill, not including the ferry, was about 450 quid for those 10 days. We basically spent as much as we could. It's not like... Mm. We went pretty deluxe every night. We camped, but we chose to camp. And then, but we went out and had, you know, the most luxurious meal we could: wine, beer, all the rest of it. It was just never too much. So, would we do anything differently next time? Because I'm, I'm kind of thinking the getting the ferry back. I really hated that time on the ferry on the way back because it was all over. All you were thinking about is just getting back home and having to go back to work. And I, I think the option that Noel took to ride through France, even though it seemed to rain on him the whole time, would 
was probably a better option. It depends how much time you've got. I saw somewhere in the last week or so, someone was saying that they'd sent their bike down on the ferry and then flew down, which would, I don't really understand how that, unless they'd, the bike had gone in a van with a friend or something like that. For the amount of time that you've got available, like 10 days or whatever, it's, it's a, a long, almost 40% of that is spent just getting there. Yeah, it was a long way. Being on the ferry was good. It was really nice, clean. Food was amazing, better than it should have been. Well, we went with Brittany, Brittany Ferries, which is a French ferry company, not fucking P&O. <laughs> Fuck those guys. And you're right, the food was food was great, wasn't it? But yeah, it, it's like Greg says, you know, it, it's all well and good having a nice relaxing time sat on the ferry night. Nice but that's time away from the kids, time you've had to take out. But you can't then do going to... <laughs> Another thing. Meanwhile, Clive's pissed singing Sweet Caroline at 11 at night on the ferry. <laughs> time of his life. So, what, what were people's highlights of the highlight of the trip? That after mm. that early afternoon riding before Noel came off, just when you were riding it, it just felt memorable, if you know what I mean. That was definitely some of the best riding of the trip, I thought. Because we were just getting, like I say, a bit of a lick on. It was like a nice, sustained such a long trail it's very rare to not have to like come off the trail for that long i think the um the camp and the sunset and sunrise were pretty special instagram <laughs> it was pretty special it's just a shame the campsite wasn't kind of 30 meters wider with a bar no so you don't want stage. that no you don't you know want to be like, the whole point is it's like is my point. but yeah but finally we were it, you know it was the most wild bit of the trip which I really enjoyed. No, it did look amazing. It did look amazing. I think for me, it was the, the, the desert ride through the Bardenas and then that evening with Maria. Will, highlight Gosh, for you? That's really hard. All of those things you've just said. So it was all great. Just, you know, whatever the most recent thing was, the most best thing. I think when we got to the hotel at the very end, there were a bunch of guys that just were just starting. And it turned out, obviously, because it's a small world. We knew some of them. They were saying, oh, how was it? And I was all giddy. It's the best thing I've ever done. I love it. You're going to love it. <laughs> that was a cool hotel. That's where Greg was trying to get his bike in a van. Yeah. Everyone was a bit stressed, but there was. Uh, we were actually basically in a hotel on a castle. And I went out and had a look around the castle. It was amazing. What were is- those other motorcyclists there going to do the tet then? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't realised that. Yeah, yeah. Right on his lowered GS twelve fifty rally. Yeah, but he was. Uh, we'd met at a BMW thing, so he's done quite a lot of off road stuff. Be fine. The they right weren't time. doing off road, were yeah, they? Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. They were on fucking out. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and Noel's just messaged him with his highlight of the trip. It was it was the beautiful team spirit after he'd fallen off the way we all rallied round and helped him pick up his bike and stuff. We find that picture that Greg was saying. We were all laughing at the video while he's trying to pick his bike. <laughs> I got a message um, through Adventure uh, Help Desk. Uh, they replied to my last newsletter. Was um, I don't know if you remember on the way back on towards the ferry, there were a couple of is it XT six hundreds? Is it or six? The old Yamahas. We passed them a couple of times, and they, there was a petrol station where we fueled up. No, we didn't feel up. We stopped and uh, next to a roundabout and they, they pulled in just as we were leaving. Anyway, they messaged to say that they, they were like right behind us on that bit. It was on a black XT, wasn't it? Yeah, an XT. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a blue and a black one. I remember thinking it was a shame we didn't chat to them. It just, yeah. it just didn't quite work out that way. That's how it yeah. is, right? You'd yeah. only fall off in front of them and embarrass us all. Finally then, we've done good. We've done about an hour's recording. Did you do anything significantly different bike kit or packing wise that worked well or didn't work well? Did you do anything on this trip that differently to what you've done before and was a good thing? I did with the 690. I've got I've got a Krieger platform. I don't know if I can say it, but it's a prototype one, so it fits differently. But I put on, instead of using the 12 litre panniers each side, I used the 18s. So I had tons of space. I had a rack on, which meant I, also, I could fuel up without taking all my luggage off which was amazing so if you've got a 690 get a rack get an os platform and use the big pan similar story for me really because i i used the new magadans which are bigger than the panniers i've used before and i they were great because you got the weight down low and instead of having small panniers and a bigger roll bag high up top i had bigger panniers and a much smaller roll bag and i just think that worked an awful lot exactly better. I did. and the magadans are great as well adam you didn't bring any body armor this time 
that you were going to throw away. Yeah, I ditched that. No, I was pretty happy with my setup, to be honest. Fairly consistent on the 310. I changed a couple of things like the camping stuff, but in terms of how it's all packed on there, it's just giant, giant loop coyote and a roll bag behind it. That seems to work. We all enjoyed you servicing your bike with about five minutes to go before you had to leave. You work in a fucking bike shop. I, I did actually watch that video today, ironically. It just seems like ages ago. Yeah. And all of us were convinced you put baby oil or clutch oil <laughs> in your engine. Anything for you, Greg? Well, I had a different bike. Super shirts is the yeah. other one. I mean, I mean, I've been wearing that for ages now, but yeah, the super shirts, like really, it surprised me how much it's changed the way that I get dressed for motorcycling. It kind of, wow, you look, I'm, I'm going to go sound like an adventure marketing board, which I am, but it, it does work really well. But um, no, I had... Um, so I was back on my 450. So I bought the PR7 to do this trip. So it was quite sad that I had to sell it before I had to do the trip because I think it would have been a really good bike for this, especially kind of some of those long liaison sections. Yeah, what did I do differently? I don't know. Like I had a, I brought more gear. I brought, brought a, two, a big, big camera lens, a, a 70 to 200 lens. So that required me to have my rucksack to kind of put that in which meant i probably had more weight on my back than i would have liked but the payoff is i got those photos so anything differently no i mean like the so that the 450s pretty much 10 years old now it's got 550 hours twenty-five thousand kilometers on it it's it's time to give it some tlc it needs a bit of i think i'll probably take it in and get some engine work done on it it just reminded me about backpacks. I took a water off my back this trip because I get through four litres a day every day. So you've got four kilograms to start the day. And I put it into on my tank. It's way better. Just take carry water, Red Bulls, <laughs> coffee. So there we go. That's the end of episode one, season three. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. It kind of feels like it might have been a little bit self-indulgent to talk about our trip but hopefully there's some stuff in there that that you either enjoyed or find useful hey listen these uh podcasts are going to be a little bit less frequent now i'm back at work uh massively full time so um having the time to edit these is going to be a little bit more restricted but we'll keep them coming hopefully do a couple of months and we've got a great couple of guests lined up in the very near future Take it easy, ride safe. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really appreciate what we do, you could consider supporting us on Patreon or buy us a coffee. Links are available on our website, which is tampodcast.com, tampodcast.com, where we also have a limited selection of branded stuff. But either way, please keep listening and spreading the word. See you next time.